so today we will be discussing miracles. Um, specifically, um, we're going to be looking at the purpose of miracles in the age of the church. So we're not going to go b- back to all the Old Testament um, miracles and, and spend a lot of time on those. Um, we're going to be kind of focused primarily on miracles in in the church age of which we're a part of. Um, and we're going to look at the purpose for those miracles, and then we're going to look kind of dig into uh, for each of the kind of four broad categories of, of why we see, why we see miracles happen in the New Testament and in the age of the church. Um, there's kind of four broad categories. Probably all of them could be wrapped up into one category, um, but but generally. Um, there's kind of three areas or three ways in which we see miracles occurring, um, and um, kind of one broad theme across all three of those. Um, oh no! Go ahead. Um, what does it look like? So the the four areas that we're going to look into um, concerning miracles in the New Testament, uh, the, the purpose of miracles in the New Testament is going to be um, one, to authenticate the message of the gospel. Two, to bear witness that the kingdom of God has come. Uh, three, um, as just in general as a help for those in need. And then kind of the banner across all of that is that miracles happen um, to bring glory to God ultimately, right? So if we see miracles today, um, we should not be expecting to see miracles in places where God would not be glorified from it, right? So God's, like the reason miracles occur um, is so that is so that God can be lifted up, so that the gospel can can go forth, um, and and so that those who um, who are uh, in need uh, can have those can have those needs met. So we got a lot of scripture to kind of dive into this morning. Um, kind of one of the one of the questions, and we're not going to get into everything that we could concerning miracles. Like we're not going to dive much into. Like, uh, like, like uh, cessationism, or, or the debate between whether or not we should expect the New Testament miracles to happen in the church today. Um, we're not going to dig dig deep into those. Um, I, I think you'll see why, kind of, as we as we kind of round home um, on on this one for the the last passage of the text, because I actually think that that it would be foolish of us not to expect miracles to happen. So. Um, I'm not a cessationalist in the sense that I that I I don't hold that that God is is in any way limiting Himself now for us in a way that He was not doing for um, the church. When, whenever I say that, like you know, you could be like, "Well, are there heal? Is there healing now?" Like, and I'm talking specific healing. Like, should we be expecting that? Like, like someone come and lay hands on somebody and then be healed like what are the expectations there and in that i i want us to kind of lean heavy on scripture and just let scripture um let scripture speak to those those types of things so we're not going to dig super into into the debates that might that might go on there but 
Um, if you would, because we do have quite a bit of text to to read through today. So get ready to do your Bible your Bible drills this morning. We're going to be in John, Hebrews. We're going to be in Acts. We're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in Luke. Um, so we're going to do quite a bit of, of flipping around in between. So the first thing that I want us to look at as we consider um, miracles is their purpose in, in authenticating the message of the gospel. Um, if you would flip with me to John chapter 3, uh, verse 2. Uh, so some of these we're going to kind of get get through quickly here, and then others we're going to spend a little bit more uh, more time on. So um, for those who are joining us, um, if you want to flip to John chapter 3, um, we're going to be looking specifically at this place in verse 2. Um, and we're discussing miracles this morning. Um, the purpose of miracles in the age of the church specifically is kind of the the idea that we're that we're kind of pressing into. So, John chapter three, I'm going to read verse two, or actually, I'm just going to start in in verse one there. So, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So as Nicodemus is coming to Christ, what is the justification for which he he believes Christ to be a teacher from God? So the signs that Christ had done testify to um, to the message that Christ has been bringing for Nicodemus here, right? So like the work of Christ in performing miracles during his earthly ministry was for what purpose? To show that he was from God. To show that he was from God and to bring God glory. So now specifically when we look at Christ in the New Testament, like knowing who he is, knowing the power that he has, like Christ had the power... Say yes or no to this. Answer this question. This is a, I'm going to pose it in the form of a question. Jeopardy. All right? <laughs> Did Christ have the power to heal everyone on the face of the earth in an instant with a word? Yes. Did he have that power? Yes. So, he, so you say yes, that he had that power. Why then did he not? Yeah, is that not a, a question that I should be able to ask you if you think Christ could have healed everybody? With the snap of a finger, but I like this. So he could have healed everybody, but he didn't heal everybody. So, so, so we're tying glory to God with the performing of miracles. Right? So I think everybody everybody would agree with that. Like that when Christ performed miracles, like like one of the direct correlations is that God should get glory from these things. So so we would say, like, you know, well maybe he wasn't gonna heal everybody because maybe some of those people wouldn't wouldn't see why he did what he did, right? Like so so possibly, but I, I think when there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that were around in Jesus' time that Jesus could have healed that He did not heal, right? Like there's a lot of miracles that Christ could have performed that He that He did not do, and and I think it's good for us to ask the questions: Why? Why would He not just speak a word and everyone be healed? Why today would He not do that? Right? Well, it, it was an act of uh, belief 
him, when they would come to him, it was a personal thing. He didn't just come and go, all his illness be done across the earth, just like not everyone is saved, because it's to all who believe. So yeah. Was that his? So everyone out. Everyone who came. Do we don't know. We don't hear of any instance in the New Testament, do we, that he they asked to be healed and he did not, do we? Not so that I can recall. Either. No. So I'm thinking that everyone who asked came to him in faith, believing he could. Yes. So I want to I want to point out something that's probably obvious. Or it should be. How many people did Jesus heal that didn't eventually die? They all died. They all died, mm-hmm. right? So like 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 even like the miracles of healing ultimately there needed to be some greater miracle, right? Some greater healing. And ultimately like all the miracles that happened during Jesus's ministry were to point to a greater miracle, right? So all miracles are 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 are, are done with the purpose of authenticating the message of the gospel because the gospel bring hope, brings hope of the greatest miracle, right? Like there like as believers, we have hope for a day when death dies, right? Like that's what that's the ultimate hope. So like any any healing that we get on this side of that hope is temporary, right? So I might be healed from my infirmities today, but guarantee you death has a day for me, right? Same for all of us. We may be healed temporarily, but we are we we seek for permanent healing. So the work that Christ did, the miracles that he performed during his ministry all pointed towards that ultimate healing, right? So like as Nicodemus comes to him here, like he's listening to what Jesus is saying because of the miracles that Jesus is performing. So the miracles that Jesus performed was to to put forward evidence for the truth of the the word that he was speaking as he as he taught, right? So ultimately, the miracles had Jesus just come and performed those miracles, not pointed forward to a greater hope than than everything that he would have done would have been for nothing. Every miracle worker, other than Christ only performed temporary miracles, right? Because there's no work of healing that's ultimate healing lest death is somehow dissolved, right? Well, in the the healings that he performed, in so many of the cases, they turned around and led to the eternal salvation of others. And so God knows the how everyone's going to be drawn to him. Yes. And for some it will be through like some miraculous healing and for others it'll be through suffering. Yes. And so his plan and purpose while, you know, ultimately is to bring glory to himself and to point us to a greater healing through those, you know, whenever that's absent, it's not absent of him getting glory because that might be what is required for sanctification or for salvation. Yeah. For the individual. And I think it's important that, that we, like, one of the reasons is, so like, the last several weeks we've been talking about God's providence. That's God's control over the creation that He's put forward, right? Miracles are, are, are kind of a subset of that, of that idea, right? Because as Brittany said, like, like, some who would receive a miracle 
and God knows this beforehand would go away never to worship, right? Like that's just reality. Like sometimes we seek the good and don't seek the giver of good, right? Like we just want the good gifts. We don't want the one who gives those gifts. And God knows this. God knows the heart and God knows what can 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 kind of probe the heart or, or or draw the heart to a place of salvation and all the work that he does is with that ultimate purpose in 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 mind right like god's ultimate hope for you as a believer is not that you would be healed from your cancer or healed from your infirmity that you would be healed from death right like no matter whether you die of cancer or you you die old age in in your bed with your family surrounding you death is coming for us all right so we we, we get focused a lot of times when we think about miracles we think about those temporary miracles right we don't think about the fact that you were dead and God breathed life into you as a believer right like for you for you, as a believer, the greatest, you've already experienced one of the greatest miracles that you can experience. Right? Like, you now love God when you were an enemy of God. Right? Like, that is a miracle performed by God Himself. And sometimes He uses external miraculous means to do that. Sometimes He does that through the withholding of those miracles. Right? Because God knows your heart. God knows your mind. God knows the path that will lead you to Him. Right? Like, God knows these things. So, when we consider the miracles that we find in the New Testament, like, always consider um, that one of, the, one of the purposes of those miracles is the authentication of the gospel message. And we're going to find this. Um, this, is the, this is the case, whether it's Christ preaching or whether it's, uh, whether it's um, his, his church preaching. So, um, flip with me now to um, Hebrews. Flip with me to the book of Hebrews chapter chapter 2. So Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 uh, through uh, 4. So Hebrews chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. What is he speaking of here? Right? Like this is the gospel message that he's speaking of here. Therefore, so again, pay attention to that. Therefore we must pay close attention, closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just re- retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, that's, that's Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard, that's those who received that message from Him, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So the last part there. So as God, as the message of the gospel is is going forth, what do we find go hand in hand with that? Miracles. Right? So this is this is the preaching of the gospel, signs and wonders following this, right? So as I as I as I read this, we're in, we're in Hebrews here. Um, as I consider what I'm reading and what I'm looking at here, like like the message is preached, 
signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Spirit follow. So I start asking myself, should we anticipate this? Like, if the gospel is being preached, should we anticipate that we, we find ourselves at times in wonder over what God is doing amongst us? Right? Should we anticipate that? Should we expect it? Does wonders, signs, and miracles follow the preaching of the gospel? That's a question that I have. Right? I think that it reorients the way that we see world around us whenever we come to Christ. Like, signs, wonders, and miracles, like, we should be in awe of all of that God has created. Yeah. Like, in the small things, I think before we can truly appreciate, like, the big things that He does. Like, like the big things that He does stand out, but we don't always see those, but we can always see, like, the sunrise and gravity and yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, so a couple of, a couple of thoughts when we consider miracles is that is that the miraculous sometimes comes by way of the ordinary, right? Like I've heard, like I've heard a, a, a and I can't, I don't remember where I heard it, but I, but this kind of jumps to mind um, in, in one particular case. So there was, as the as the story as I'm recounting it goes there was there was a missionary family somewhere somewhere in Africa um, and they had run out of all the resources that they had and they they were praying to God that God would supply their need and and long story short they wake up the next morning and miraculously God has supplied their need right like like there's a package that's delivered and it's like that is right on time yet it's three months in the working right because because months ahead of time um the heart of of people in in another country were stirred to send aid to these to these missionaries and and that's ordinary means yet god works the miraculous because both they prayed and God worked in their prayer in miraculous ways. Yet it was months ahead that the that the means by which that miracle would occur were kicked off, right? And it was very ordinary, very ordinary means. So I think in in one regard, um, the miraculous can come by way of the ordinary, right? Especially when we consider that God's God's control over his creation is such that he knew our need ahead of time and prepared for that need ahead of time in that particular case right like so talked about that this morning about how god is like planned out where we are in the sermons and and it's not it's almost like we're we're it's almost like a miracle yes we are in awe of his provision because of his sovereignty yes and we're finding out that everything works together. Yes. So I think so I think that there's that I think that there's there's that aspect to miracles, right? That there's the there's the miraculous by way of the ordinary. But there is but but to say that does not exclude the miraculous without explanation. I right. right? So like like miracles come in in both forms all to bring all wonder and glory to God and to confirm the truth of the gospel that's being preached, right? 
So like, should, the question that we should be asking ourselves, that I ask myself, is should we expect the miraculous to follow the preaching of the gospel, right? If Scripture seems to be laying out um, that the gospel laid out, at least in Scripture, seems to be followed by miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles, like is and and uh, he. This text here in Hebrews adds to that gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Like we we know the gifts of the Spirit. We've we've studied those um, before. So like, should we should we expect or anticipate those kind of things, or should we have a hope for those kind of things? I think I think Scripture's pointing us to a clear yes here. I want us to be careful that we don't elevate the 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 minor miracles over the 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 major miracle, right? Like that's the danger that we have that, that we have when we when we seek seek the miraculous above all else, right? Because we seek the miraculous so that hey, I heard Jesus was a worker of miracles. Bring him in so that he can so that he can dance for us, right? Like I want I want to do a do a do a thing, Jesus, right? Do a miracle here, right? I want the miracle. I want to be entertained, or I want to see something, but I I don't necessarily care about you. I just heard you do pretty cool things, right? So like we have to be careful not to be there, not to be one who seeks the miracle over the one who is the the doer of of the miracles, right? So like the prior the priority in our heart is a is a big deal. Right. Like if we desire to see God work in miraculous ways, are we seeking it for the sake of seeing something cool or are we seeking it so that God might be glorified? Right. And when the miracle doesn't come, do we understand that God can glorify himself even in that? Right. And do we look for that as well? Right. So I think we should anticipate the miraculous. I think scripture's pretty clear on that. I think we should anticipate these things following the preaching of the gospel, but I think we need to guard our hearts against the miracle being the thing that we seek after first, right? The miracle always points towards God, and it should not point away from him, right? It should not be something that that we seek miracles instead of seeking after Instead of seeking after God Himself, so um, let's continue on. Flip with me to the Book of Acts. We're going to be in a couple of places in Acts, chapter eight and chapter nine, specifically. So Acts chapter eight, verses four through eight here. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So here we find here we find Philip going proclaiming the gospel and and miraculous things are taking place, right? Unclean spirits are coming out, um, like those who are paralyzed or lame are healed here. Um so so this is taking place in somebody this was not this was um 
it was through Christ, right? Like I'm going to make a distinction. Like we have the we have the the miracles in the New Testament that are that are like that that, that Christ in person miracles, right? Those are clear. You're reading it. It's Jesus and Jesus does and Jesus does and Jesus does. And then we have the like the 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 by way of Jesus, but through one of his one of his workers, right? Through one of his children, right? So like this is what we find here. All miracles, all healing come by way of Christ. Yet yet we find instances, we find examples in the New Testament where where the church gets to, to play a part in this, right? You find it there's there's so many places where we find the apostles doing things that that are like it almost seems strange that they can do things on par with Christ, right? Like we look at some of the things that the disciples do um, in the New Testament and we're like, how in the world could this take place? It took place the same way that Jesus' miracles took place. Jesus did it, right? All the miracles that are performed come through the working of Christ because ultimately it's Christ working for the same purposes um, so that the message of the gospel um, is is authenticated and justified, um, and then also to bear witness that the kingdom is coming, um, and to help those in need, ultimately bringing glory to God. So flip with me now to um, chapter nine. We'll look look at some other cases here. Verse uh, thirty two. So Acts nine thirty two through thirty five. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in uh, Lydda. Uh, there he found a man named Aeneas, uh, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately, what happened? He rose. How crazy would that be to see, right? Because it's like... I. I don't see Jesus anywhere around, and yet he's saying he's saying that Jesus Christ heals you, rise and make your bed. And immediately he arose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to who? So the purpose of miracles is what? To point to the greater miracle, right? Because ultimately this guy what? Died. We don't find anyone who these miracles are performed on that are walking around, you know, doing lectures today, right? Like, they're not like, let me tell you about that time that Peter healed me, right? Because they all died, right? Because the only, the only miracle that, that, has, that has continued on is the resurrection of, of Christ, right? Like, like, Christ lives and will never die. Like, this is miraculous. We have a hope for the same kind of miracle. All of these miracles are pointing um, ultimately to that hope, right? To that hope. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through um, 42 here. So there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room since Lydda was uh, near Joppa. The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went to them. 
And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and the widows stood beside him weeping and showing, and, and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter uh, put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. Can, 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 we, can we stop for a second and, and, consider, and consider what it is um, now I get it that Peter was awfully close to Jesus, right? And the, and the, and 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 let's let's get for a second that, that he wasn't Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. Like this was a this was a man like like made of the same things as us, the same the same failings, the same shortcomings, the same need for salvation, and yet. Like here's the thing. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. If if you were to call me to the hospital and one of your family members had passed away, like I don't know that I'm going to have the same kind of confidence that if I say arise that someone's getting up, right? Like like I want to be I want to be real with you in that. Like let's consider let's consider what what it must have been like for them to be preaching the gospel and then him get called and him come and he's like y'all go out like you're about to see the same kind of miracles that Jesus was performing, right? Yes. And I'm like sitting there thinking, what is it? How can you do greater things like Jesus did the greatest? But what is he talking about there? If I had been a disciple then, like I would be like, what is he talking about? Right. And they're experiencing that through a man, they know they're not Jesus. They know they denied him three times. He knows he yeah. all these things. He's sunk in the water when he sees eyes like Jesus. He's like Right, like this is that guy, right? Yeah. This is that guy that's like, Jesus, help me, I'm drowning, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like this guy is now at a point to where he's like, Tabitha arise. Right? <laughs> How confident must he have been in that moment? Like he's already, like he's seen this kind of stuff. Like he's like, Tabitha arise. And what happened? She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and what? Many believed in the Lord. Right? As we see these miracles performed, like I, I think that we should understand that we should understand because why is it? Like the, the reason the re, like as I consider this, why is it that he's doing this and and he can that this guy can speak to the dead like Jesus spoke to the dead and them get up and I can't. Like why why is that? What's the case there? What's the reason why the miracles seem to be so like densely packed in this early church time and we and, and we we seem to not see them in the same regard today? Can it, am I saying that we can't see them like that today? No, because nowhere in the New Testament does it does it preclude that. But I am saying that if it happened, it's going to be. I heard one crazy statement though that said. Past the disciples, there's no more miracles. And I said, no. I said, I can't believe that. Yeah, so like that's the cessation. Yeah. He gave us the story of the the missionaries needing the food. Yeah. Now, that's got to be a miracle within itself, too. And it's a different way. But do we think how powerful, and it's not our power, it's how powerful we are 
when we get on our knees and pray for someone. Yes, and it's, I think it's going to the throne room. Yeah, yeah. It's a miracle in itself. You were able to do yeah. that, and that's how we don't really yeah. realize it. I know I don't think of it that way, and that's how Peter could do what he could do. He'd been with Christ. Christ assured him he's his. Yeah, he called him, and that's how he knew. Yeah. So when so when he's speaking these things, how can he be confident that it will happen? Right. Like where does like as I consider this, where does his confidence lie for life and death and the ability to to speak life from death? Where does his confidence lie? It 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 lies in Christ and Christ alone. Right. It lies in Christ and Christ alone. And when he was going here, he knew that Christ had a purpose in that particular thing to bring forth what? Belief. God works all miracles towards belief. Right? Many believed in the Lord. He didn't raise them from the dead and then it's like crickets. Nobody believed. Right? The purpose of raising from the dead was for belief. Because what happened when they believed? The miraculous happened. Every like he did he did a I'm gonna air quote minor miracle because it, it, it seems crazy to think that, that someone coming from death to life is a minor miracle. But it is a minor miracle compared to the miracle that every one of us have experienced as believers, right? You were dead in the realest sense of the word, and now you live. Right? And it did not take you seeing someone get a minor miracle for that. Right? It did not, it did not take you seeing someone coming from life to death. Right? What happened? The gospel's been preached. The gospel has gone out. The Holy Spirit, the same one who can raise the dead to life, raises dead men and women to life today in a greater sense. Right? Because had, 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 they, had they, these miracles taken place and no one believed, what use of the miracle? Because in the end, they all died. None of them are alive today. Show me your miracle today without the work of Christ in the resurrection. Right? All miracles would be meaningless without it. Yeah. It makes me remember the foreshadowing of Jesus in the Old Testament in Exodus. Is it Exodus where uh, the serpent is mm-hmm. up and then he uses it? He says, you know, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me in the New Testament. And that was, you know, a significant. Yeah, thing so that's a good point. Healing mm-hmm. And about healing, yes. but also like that, all healing is to, that we might believe that He is the Son of God and that we would have healing in His name. And I look back at, um, I think about the healing that takes place. Like, for me, it's, it's like, I think about some missionaries testify to that in certain cultural groups, that are unreached people groups. And I've read a lot of this from different people and different missionaries. I've read a lot of stuff. But anyway, they say that in some places, like they cannot explain the amazing healing ministry that's taking place in that place because 
the people are putting their faith in witch doctors. And then, but then God does it, and it's to open their eyes to that that God is there, and He is calling them to. And so yeah. they don't use it as a vehicle. I mean, it can be misused. You read Acts. Yeah. Misused. And people want to like, I want to, I want, can I pay you to, to get this ability, right? Like we find that, right? Yes. But ultimately, so like thinking about the serpent being raised up, like that was a, that, that was a miraculous day, right? When it was raised up and you look on this, this inanimate object on a stick, what does God do? In that moment, He heals you. You looked on an inanimate object on a stick and you live. That's a minor miracle compared to looking upon Christ and living eternally, right? So these minor miracles point to the ultimate miracle, right? Which all of us will experience if we believe, right? Like all of you have experienced resurrection from the dead spiritually, right? Like you were dead in sins and trespasses. Now you're alive in Christ, right? And 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 I and I get that like oftentimes like like we would we would elevate the um, the raising of the physical dead to be a, a a more major miracle than raising from the spiritual dead, but I think that's because we we drastically underestimate how dead we were spiritually, right? Can these dry bones live? Not on their own, they cannot live. Yet when the gospel comes, the Holy Spirit breathes life. That is a miracle like none other. Flip with me to uh, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to run through a couple of these uh, at a, maybe a little bit faster pace. So Matthew chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be looking in verse 28. Can I say one thing? Yes. Don't you think that some of these places where people haven't been charged, they haven't heard the word, they've got the missionaries that's going in, it's because they are more simple people. They live on a day-to-day basis. That's right. Whereas we have educated ourselves so much. People on the other part, you know, yeah. learn the world, whatever you want to say it. Yeah. But in that the way... Even God warns against that because man can educate himself right on into thinking that God is real. Yeah. You know, and none of what he does is real. And these people are living on a day to day thing, and to them, their survival is yeah. going out yeah. and getting whatever from, you know, hunting to get their food like they might have did back in these yeah. church days where they lived a very simple day to day life. Yeah. So what they seen is what they knew. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what was so impactful to them. Don't you think it would be like that's what I think about these people like in these jungles or somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Know, that that's how they're still living, so that's why it's big impact to them. They've never heard all this other Yeah, I think I think I think there's a lot to I think there's a lot to that that um that as we we become less like here's the thing. We like if God did not give me breath then my body would fall lifeless on the floor. Yet, in in the privilege that we stand, 
which, which I don't think that we rightly understand. The freedoms that we have, the opportunities that we have, um, the, the, the position in which we stand as believers in the church, especially in the United States. I think that, that a lot of times because of that, we don't look towards the miraculous, right? Because we feel ourselves safe and secure. Yet wait until death is knocking at your door and all of your knowledge, all of your understanding will fall by the wayside as you seek for the miraculous, right? Right? Like that's that's reality, right? Like when death is when death is coming, we seek the miraculous, right? I hope that we're seeking the miraculous now in God changing the dead to life and then breathing life in us each and every day. And that we do not wait for the physical death to be knocking at our doors before we start trying to draw closer uh, to, to Him in that regard. So here in Matthew uh, 12... 28. So this is after Christ has been uh, performing miracles, and they're like, this is of the devil, and Christ goes into a little bit um, about why what they're saying doesn't make sense, because why would Satan cast out Satan kind of thing. And then verse 28, he says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. Right? So the second thing for which miracles are purposed towards is a display of the kingdom of God breaking forth into the world beginning at Christ, right? So Christ is saying Christ is saying here, but if it's by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, right? He's saying if this isn't if this isn't, you know, like Satan casting out Satan here, if if it is in fact the spirit of God by which I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? So what Christ is saying is that the miraculous works that he is doing is evidence that God is God's kingdom is is pressing forward into the world, right? Like he's reclaiming this work of creation, which he called good, good, good. He's he's working to reclaim. He's working for that salvation, right? That's what this is, right? That's what this is, ultimately pointing to a greater healing, right? What is the worst thing that could happen? Death. You're all afraid of death. We're all afraid of death. Unless we realize that death has been defeated, right? Unless we trust wholeheartedly that Christ was raised from the grave, right? Because in that we find hope for life and not just another day, right? Like if I seek healing from my infirmities, I'm seeking a temporary thing. Lest I fool myself into thinking that I'm going to live forever, right? Yet when we seek that ultimate healing for which Christ is pointing towards, uh, then we find um, that in fact God's kingdom is rushing forward into the world that we're in. Every time we preach the gospel, every time someone comes to belief, we find someone one as a citizen of heaven. Um, let's flip to um, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, um, verses 16 through 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. 
And as was the custom, he went in the synagogues the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing so that's like the most ultimate mic drop in history Um, jesus is like it's happening today the kingdom of heaven is here it is at hand Right? That's the message that he was here to proclaim. And as a part of that, the miraculous works that he was doing was an evidence towards that. If we flip over to um, Luke chapter 9. And we look in uh, 1 and 2. So, So Christ is like, hey, it's me that Scripture's speaking about. The kingdom is heaven is at hand. And now here, 9 and 1 of the book of Luke. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Right? So the purpose, second purpose, uh, again, of, of the miraculous is the proclamation that God's kingdom is coming. It's here. It is at hand. Right? sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. So Matthew, let's flip back to Matthew chapter 10. So Matthew chapter 10, um, 5 through 8. These twelve, uh, these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Uh, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse leopards, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. So again, the one of the purposes of the of miraculous events is the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven being at hand. Um, let's let's flip now to Matthew chapter um, chapter twenty. Actually, we're getting we're getting close, so I'm going to give you a couple of passages to uh, to kind of study after the fact, and we're going to kind of jump to the end. So um, the the third pur- third purpose that we see the miraculous taking place is for the helping of those in need. We see throughout the Gospels many accounts where Christ. Um, is showing compassion. People come to him. They've heard that he can heal. They come asking for healing. And Christ, um, showing pity on them, heals them. Matthew chapter 20, um, verses 29 through 34, you can see this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 12 through 15. So I'm, I'm going to read those again. So Matthew 20, 29, verses 29 through 34. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Luke chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. Uh, These are kind of places where you can see that uh, a third um, purpose for miracles in the New Testament is to simply bring help to those in need. Um, uh, 
kind of the the banner over all of this um, is uh, that the miraculous is meant to bring glory to God. Let's flip real quick to John chapter nine. We're going to see that there. Um, Matthew fourteen fourteen yeah Luke chapter seven verses twelve through fifteen um, so we're going to flip to John here John chapter nine so I want us to pay I want us to pay attention to this um, as we can as we consider like. This is this is going to be a difficult one for us. I think to like. I think it's worth the wrestling with these ideas, right? Um, we're going to be looking at an account here um, where this man was blind from birth, and they're asking why, right? And a lot of times we think things happen to us in this life because of sins. We think that it's either our sins or someone else's sins, right? Like, why did this bad event come upon me? And we think, like, what did I do? Like, and we'll find ourselves struggling in that. Like, that's a that's a real thing, right? Like, we find ourselves in these places in life where we're like, like, why? Like, and we 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 oftentimes cannot come to a conclusion here. And and what I want us to look here is is I want us to look at what Jesus says about this man's sins, this man's family sins, um, and ultimately why it was that he was in the place that he was in. And and we might find ourselves if especially I think if we're in that position, right? Like I could see myself as this blind guy the day before Jesus came and if somebody said to me like that you were like this for God's glory and I'm like 37 years old, man, I'm blind from birth for whose glory for a single moment? Are you serious? Like, how does that make sense until that moment in which it it, it becomes glaringly obvious why it is that God is so much wiser than than I, right? So like this is we find ourselves kind of peeking into one of those moments. I don't want us to I don't want us to to kind of gloss over the fact that that we may be days we may be days ahead of seeing how it was that God got glory from that. I'm not saying that today's that day for you, right? I'm not saying that at all, right? But I'm saying that we should be looking towards that day. We should be, right? Because either God's out of control and the situation's gotten beyond him, or he is in control. And every moment of my life is meant to bring him glory in some way. That's the good, that's the bad. Verse, verse 1 of uh, John chapter 9 here. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Right? Like, was, did God see? I want you to get the question that they're asking him. Was he born this way because his parents sinned? Jesus is going to say no. Another one. Was he born this way because before he was born, God looked forward and saw the sin that he would commit? Right? Y'all see how he's, they're asking that question. Right? Was it his parents or was it some sin that God knew he would commit? And thus he punished him ahead of time for this. Right? That's the question. Rabbi, who sinned? Right? He's born blind. And they're asking if it was his sin that caused him to be born blind. Right? The only way that that could happen is if God's punishing him ahead of time for some reason. Right? 
So, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but... And here's the part that I'm not going to tell you this is going to be easy to wrestle with, but this is Jesus' answer to the trials of this man's life up to this moment. Right? It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Consider this. Man's entire life blind for this one day when Jesus would walk by and give him sight. Could it be that God so orchestrates even the trials of our lives so that the day when we, in which we meet him becomes a miraculous day? Not only for us, but for all of those who marvel at the miracle and the miraculous working of God. Could it be that, that, that God does that? I think, I, think it, I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Right? This man was blind from birth. So that this moment when Jesus walked by, this man could receive sight so that others could come to marvel at the working of God himself. So all of the miraculous is done to bring glory ultimately to God. Um, I wanna, I'm going to wrap us up just by reading Acts chapter 4 uh, verse 29 and then we'll, then we'll slip out. So Acts chapter 4. Verse 29. And this is, uh, this is persecution coming. This is believers of the church praying. And this is kind of the latter part of that prayer. Um, I want us to see how they pray. And I want us to be a people who pray in this way. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let us understand that this was not believers praying when everything was going well with them, right? They're praying that God would work in and through them, through the miraculous, so that they might be emboldened, so that the word could go forth, right? So that God could be glorified in the saving of souls. That is how we pray. It should be. It should be. We should expect it. Or you take her. And that was where our prayer was, standing in the screen watching that on you know. And it's it's a it's a moment in life. Yeah. A crisis of belief that God is in control. Yeah. And that he is about bringing all men to him and it I was telling Heidi this week, when we pray sometimes, like, we want, we want to know the why yeah. now, but a lot of times I, like, I have to trust that it would be, if I knew 
it would be, you know, like a, what did, it, what did we say it was like a, um, one of those matrix moments. Matrix moments. <laughs> like, it would be like, yeah. screen just, like, we would like, oh, yeah. I didn't get it. It was so connected to so many things. Years down the road, people we don't even know. Yeah. God has a plan, and it's, it, we can, like, think like a deep sofa yeah. and a recliner. I'm very experiential. I know y'all know that. But, like, I just, like, understand. And maybe that's why the Lord has done Like, He knows I need yeah. to experience. And He knows different ones that need to experience in a different way to grow in their faith toward yeah. Him and to lean into who He is. And thank God for good teaching. Because you could be too experiential. Yeah. And Satan can kind of lead you in that. And so with the truth and experiencing the signs and wonders and the gospel being preached in boldly, then God does work and he does grow us in this with a deep root. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I think you actually have to get out and sing. <laughs> so I'm going to close this in <laughs>